Ladies and gentlemen, we're back for the second part of today's episode where we are taking a close look at a selected number of uh, Indonesian films from the year 2021. Uh, we finished the previous part with a, a short film and we're going to start the second part uh, in the same fashion because we are going to take a closer look at <laughs> Arumi dan Lida Pochong. <laughs> Crazy film in all sorts of different ways. Um, the synopsis, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is that Arumi feels frustrated because she lost her soy sauce during her self-isolation, even though she misses eating noodles. So she ordered Lior Pochong uh, as a flavoring ingredient for her noodles. Um, but Arumi is not aware of the danger behind uh, the, the pochong's tongue, essentially. Um, it's, a, it's a nice little short film uh, written and directed by uh, the uh, yeah, Amir Bersaudara, the Amir Brothers. Uh, in this case, uh, written and directed by Azam Firullah. <laughs> it's just, and I'm not so sure whether it's, it's his real name. Uh, this, my apologies if, if I'm, you know, as it turns out, making fun of somebody's real name, but I feel like, you know, looking at the credits and whatnot, I can't really tell so much which is a real name and which is not. Uh, but but these are basically people working with campy B-grade movies, ladies and gentlemen, like Pochong Hu Unleashed and Corpse Gasm. And, and the short film itself is part of the Pandemi film omnibus, which also films other short films like Mi Level Setan, <laughs> Berpulang, and uh, Gumpalan. So there's so much to talk about here, uh, even though it's a short film. I just want to get started with your thoughts and feelings on this film, Nadia. What do you think? Um, so, at the top of my head, the title, I think it's a parody of Aruna dan Lidahnya, which is directed by Edwin. Um, and for the film itself, I think it's very funny because it has the sitcom style, the traditional early 2000s Indonesian sitcom style, like Suami Suami Takut Istri and then um, Office Boy, I think, also has that um generated laughter from from the audience and then um so it's interesting in that way and i think it captures the frustration of the pandemic very nicely because it's very frustrating like you just want to eat a noodle and actually feel the taste of the noodle and yeah i think i think it's 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 amazing the way they combine something horror but also making fun of it at the same time um, and the exaggerated effects and stuff. I, I I love the short film, honestly. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's, good and very funny. It is. I mean, there's so much that we can get into. My my favorite part in terms of the comedy, um, the 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 laughing track you were talking about earlier. There's a kind of canned laughter, ladies and gentlemen, that you can hear in a lot of uh, sitcoms of uh, you know all over the world, really, right? So that's that's a uh, a very interesting generic conversion uh, that that uh, uh, Azam uh, Azam Firullah here has decided to kind of play around with. Um, I my favorite part, I must say, uh, is the part when uh, she has the. So if you guys have the like the the instant noodle packet, and then you have the noodle itself, and then you have the uh, the seasoning, right? The, the MSG stuff, right? That's that's basically where the good stuff is. Um, so it's just powdered stuff that you put in into the broth and then you kind of like, you know, cook it uh, along with the, uh, the noodle usually. But in this case, um, in the, at the start of the film, you see that the character basically saying in a way that uh, she sent something by, I think, her boyfriend, if I'm not mistaken. 
um, and she couldn't taste it. And I think maybe it's because she has COVID or something like that. Because you know, one of the so-called side effects of COVID is that you can't taste the food that you eat. And so what she did was to actually have that instant noodle, <clears throat> kind of ignore the noodle part, and then went straight for the MSG packet of the seasoning. And then she would actually put it on the on the table, and then she would cut it up into even smaller pieces of of, of powder, if you will, and. It's like cocaine, really. <laughs> so the MSG seasoning is actually being treated and being consumed, you know, being snorted through the nose as if it's, it's cocaine. And then you look at it and you think, of course, that's ridiculous. But at the same time, at the same time, it's kind of a, a kind of drug in a way as well, right? So, so I, I find that as, as uh, I find it to be an interesting allegory that in a way kind of gets closer to the so-called truth, if you will, here. Um, you know, we don't look at Panadol as, as a drug, even though it actually is, right? But we do look at cocaine as, as a kind of drug, right? But, but at its very core, these are basically the same things in, in, in terms of the classifications, the, the, the medicinal so-called properties and whatnot. It, it does work in, in a very similar fashion in that regard. So I like how they, they kind of play around with this in a comedic way. But for me, it feels like it's getting closer to the truth in that sense, um, Anything, any, any particular moments on the film, uh, Nadia, that you can kind of um, pinpoint as a particular favourite of yours beyond the canned laughter you were talking about earlier? I think my favourite scene would be um, the scene where Arumi at first, she, um, she just asked the pochong to give the, the what do you call it, the, the, the liur basically, and then twice, but it still tastes the same. So she got frustrated and then she just poured the noodle onto the pochong's mouth and then eat it from there. I was like, that's, that's actually kind of disturbing to watch. But at the same time, I kind of get their frustration because at the same time, I have friends who had COVID and they were frustrated because they cannot taste anything, cannot smell anything. So I was like, maybe that's how it feels with them. <laughs> like, yeah, probably like maybe... The, the people who had COVID, if they could do that, may, maybe they would, but they don't have the access. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's very interesting as well. Yeah. Oh, no, you reminded me now. That that was, uh, oh, goodness. I know now I know they're making films and I know that she's not really eating, but putting the, the, the you know, the Indomie or whatever inside the pochong's mouth and then taking it out directly with her, her fork and then putting it directly into her mouth. I know it's 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 got to be some cuts and and some editing's done here, right? Did I mean I look at it and I think that's how they did it. But all the same, when you watch it and you're in the moment, you, you can't help but just like, Ugh, that's a that's a galera, galera. <laughs> that's like, oh my goodness, I felt that and just like, oh, it's terrible. It's so terrible. So for me, I I'm so happy that you pointed it out because I wondered whether I've gone a bit soft here, like you know. Um, you know, we talked about soft masculinity there just now. Yeah, I've gone too far the other way that I can't even handle people eating this, you know, uh, Indomie goreng out of a pochong's mouth. But it's good to know that um, that I'm not the weird one. This film is, is the weird one. And in fact, it's, it's not weird per se. There's a lot of stuff going on here that is very campy, right? They play around with a, a number of generic conventions. You mentioned earlier something about uh, the canned laughter uh, in sitcoms. We can look at... Um, horror films as well, in a way, kind of really uh, have, have, a, have a bit of fun with this. Um, and, and, and I'm aware that uh, uh, the, the Ame brothers, really, um, 
they they do look to Indonesia's um, cinematic history as well. Right? You you mentioned earlier about how um, uh, what is this now uh, Ali and Ratu Ratu Queens used you know songs from the early Northeast by the Groove, right? But this one goes a, a lot further back to the 1980s when in uh, in Indonesia you do have like the prevalence of <clears throat> horror cinema really. Um, but 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 of the B grade variety, but you know when we say B grade, sometimes we have the idea that it's actually of a lesser quality. But in in so many ways, these are films that are very creative, very well done, low budget. But you know filmmakers kind of still push through such boundaries to create very interesting works of art. Um, I wonder though, Nadia, in in more recent times, do we see in uh, a fair amount of evidence for this that you know horror films in Indonesian cinema? Yes. B-grade horror films or, or television shows, perhaps, um, uh, off the top of your head, perhaps, Nadia. Um, do we see any any other examples of, of these films apart from the ones made by uh, the Amir brothers? B-grade? Not so much. From the early 2000s, not, no, late 2000s, probably, 2008, 2009, I think we had a lot of, like, films with questionable uh, titles i i did not watch it because i was still a kid like uh, i think th- there's one called pochong kramas or something along that line it was a popular <laughs> popular trend as well you know having like ghosts basically doing people stuff like pochong kramas and then stuff like that but <laughs> pochong kramas. yeah but but then again um i'm not sure if that's an actual movie but 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 i'm pretty sure that there's a movie called something like that but um but i think um for the more recent times like 2017 to 2018 we had pengabdi satan which was really really good i think it's definitely an a grade film right um, oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, the, yeah. the predecessor the, the original pengabdi satan is probably something a bit more b grade perhaps but this one um you know uh you know let, let me just put it this way uh, a b grade indonesian horror film is probably not going to be the number one film at the hong kong box office for two weeks in a row um yeah. so yeah so that's a quality of pengabdi setan right there i want to say that you know the success of pengabdi setan is also largely down to the uh, presence of the very malaysian bron palari but uh probably not <laughs> probably not um, but he's great in that film as well um anyway so so that's that that's uh Uh, Arumi dan Lidah Pochong. Uh, there's also something about the film that kind of touches on the, the technological discussion that we uh, that we kind of raised um, in the first, uh, uh, sorry, not in the first film, but in the first part, uh, which uh, was kind of present in Nyungkuyung. That one was uh, about Gatek. This one is uh, oh, the azan is just coming. <laughs> so I think I'll just take a pause for for a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'll see you guys in short while. So we'll just stop for a moment, yeah? Nadia? So we are continuing with the recording. The azan is done on both of uh, my side and Nadia's side. I'm trying to remember what I said earlier. I think that a train of thought which I have somehow missed is perhaps something about how... Uh, Uh, the, the the previous film uh, we were talking about, which is uh, what is it, Nyungkuyung, uh, is actually something that features a bit more about uh, gaga technology. But um, this film, in in a way, Arumi dan Lidapochong, it, it's actually very technological, right? We we do see at the start Arumi being um, 
uh, I think maybe even a YouTuber of some kind, perhaps, right? Uh, she, she seems to be recording using the ring light and whatnot. Uh, she orders food using her phone. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, you know, a, a certain digital fluency, which, which I find interesting if contrasted with the previous film. Um, that is neither here nor there. It's just a note that I made there for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm sure that we are able to check in to see what uh, Nadia's notes are like. Nadia's notes. Hey, that's the title of a podcast right there. Right? <laughs> Nadia's notes. <laughs> It can be about yes. whatever, about whatever, right? Um, let's check in with Nadia's notes uh, about <laughs> about Uni, right? So Uni here is a film recently released, uh, but already having completed its run uh, in Indonesian cinemas um, uh, because Spider Man. <laughs> so, <Yeah. clears throat> the synopsis is is is, uh, is basically this: In her last year of secondary school, a bright Indonesian student is determined to pursue her education and resist getting married despite the expectations of her community. Very interesting to note the word community there, not just a family, right, but a community. This is directed by uh, Camila Andini, uh, who also was involved in, in the project Angel Sign, which is a Japanese slash Asian omnibus kind of film. We had a number of different directors there. Sekala Niskala and Laud Bercermin. <clears throat> Also written not, not just by uh, Camila, but also uh, by uh, Prima Rusti as well, who wrote a number of, of films uh, in the past, including Ada Parangan Cinta and Ada Parangan Cinta Dua. So, so these are people who basically knows, you know, uh, again, the pedigree behind the camera there is, is um, very clear for all to see. But Nadia, I became aware of this film when you messaged me a few weeks ago saying that I should watch this film if I can. Why, Nadia? I think this film is very, very interesting. I don't think I ever see seen anything like this before in terms of Indonesian film. I think this is the first time probably a local film um, bringing up about some a topic that is essentially probably more common in Western films, but in Indonesian films, not so much. And on top of that, it's not about a girl from Jakarta. It's a girl from Cilegon, which is basically a smaller um, town. And the whole film was actually it, uh, the language of the film. It it's not in Indonesian. It's on it's uh, in Sundanese. Like the whole film, just like Nyungkuyong. Um, so relating back to what you you said before about um, a film using entirely non-Indonesian language, like a more um, dialect. So the whole film was using the Sundanese. And I, I don't think it's normal Sundanese. I think uh, it's it's Serang-specific language, which I'm not fam- familiar with at all as well. But there, there are subtitles and also I can still understand it perfectly. Um, so it's very interesting because coming-of-age film, we don't really see how... Because usually girls in coming-of-age Indonesian films they usually only talk about how the girl likes a guy and, you know, something along that line, which is actually also good. I will never get, get bored of those rom-coms, actually. But at the same time, I think it's very nice um, for Camila Andini to actually explore something that is very taboo. So there's actually topics with uh, topics like uh, th- that are very, very um, sensitive in Indonesia, like girls masturbating, and then losing virginity, um, losing virginity that is that the girl initiated first. 
It's 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 a whole new thing for me. Maksudnya apa ya? Mungkin upami Yuni sampun sah sarang kula. Laning malam pertama Yuni maler perawan. Kontan kula tambih malih selawi juta. I think it's it purchased teenage angst without the actual anger in a way. And I think that's also very Indonesian in a sense because like Lady Bird coming of age film, Lady Bird, Saoirse Ronan, she was very angry. Like it purchased teenage angst because she was really angry, quite literally. She was angry at the mother and all that. But with Yuni, I think um, with the broader context of Indonesian culture, I don't think Indonesian kids, even when we get mad at our parents, we don't really show it. Sometimes we do, but most of the time we just channel it to something else, you know, like sneaking behind the parents and stuff. And that's what Yuni did. She's still a very good kid in front of uh, her parents and her grandmother, but like behind she went to club, she tried cigarettes and stuff. Um, and actually, because the screening that I went to, Kamilandini actually mentioned about um, how she wants uh, the audience to feel like that they are Yuni's friend. Um Because uh, she wants to show Uni from a friend's perspective, um, where basically we can see the things she did behind her parents, not just what the parents see. Okay, so that's a it's, it's a very interesting and a very empathetic approach taken to to kind of ensure that we relate to the character uh, and and their trials and tribulations. But I'm uh, on another level. I'm also looking at the synopsis. Right, you know, a bright young student determined to pursue education. Um, I think that first part, I, I can kind of look at that, and I think that could be you in a way, you know. Um, and and you know, we're talking here about communal pressures, maybe even familial pressures on some level. You mentioned something about her sneaking behind her parents' back and such. Um, I wonder how much of of this film that that perhaps you yourself can relate to is is that. Maybe a factor that makes you think that this is a good film. As in, for instance, if I watch this film, maybe I might not feel the same way because I'm not a bright young Indonesian female student in the same context. I think, in in a way, probably yes. I don't exactly um, have the same specs with her in terms of uh, because Uni is a very bright um, high school student, right? Mm. The thing is, when I was in high school, I I was not as bright. I think I don't believe so you. Probably... You're lying. Stop lying. No, that, it no, was Azan just now. Jangan bohong. Jangan bohong. That's actually true because I I actually only started trying when I when I went to college. So mm. I think that's a factor. I think my teachers kind of despised me a bit. <laughs> I think I cried once <laughs> because. Yeah, because my math teacher was like, why can't you do this? I'm like, I don't understand. And then I cried and she felt oh. bad for me. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. I'm so sorry I, you went through that. <laughs> my goodness. No, but I think that's normal. But I did not really rebel because, yeah, I I, I didn't do a lot of sneaking, I think. Mainly because I just, I, I'm just not interested, I guess. Hmm. Even if I am, I, I don't feel like I have the energy to do it. But the thing is, I have a lot of friends who does it. Who do it? You know, like, like sneaking behind parents, uh, doing you know, go, going to places that um, their parents wouldn't approve. I think that's a pretty common thing. Even though I did not do it, it's a it's a super common thing. Um, and in terms of relatability, I 
think just being being a woman in general in, in in Indonesian society but i think for me i mean coming from my background because i'm 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 100% minang which is basically we have a, a more um, female oriented cultural structure so it's actually it's a bit better for me because ever since i was a kid i you know my parents never really told me you cannot do this you cannot do that nothing like that but it's again it's a common scene with the people around me you know i have friends who can't who can't go to university out of town because their parents don't want to and stuff like that it's it's very normal um and i think mainly yeah i think probably um about being a female in general and like pursuing what you want um and how the community responds it probably yeah resonates with me because sometimes and it sometimes it doesn't come from male not not just men you know sometimes like some some um some 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 fellow women actually like um when i told them i i want to do this i want to do that some of them were like okay that's great but again don't forget you're you know you're you're a woman you're a woman you know if you don't if you if you don't achieve those really high dreams it's actually okay i mean i know it is but you know i would love to actually achieve it um and i don't blame them actually because i think it's it's very systemic it's it's not their fault it's something that has been ingrained in the brain ever since i don't know probably a long long time ago so i think it's it's more on the system and the culture so yeah so that part probably resonates with me and actually i did some research and camila andini um used to major in sociology so i think uh, that's why the film is very well structured yeah yeah and uh, apparently she's also a lecturer um currently based in jogjakarta as well or something like that and maybe that's not the situation now but again in in my brief research that's something that i came across um as well there's a very interesting point that you made about the minang context of culture there for those of you who don't know we're um looking at uh you know the, the group of people primarily from sumatra uh, in in many ways although of course now the minang diaspora is um you know fairly wide ranging and can be found in in many places uh, very prevalent in malaysia as well uh, actually if you're if you're um, um orang melayu from negeri sembilan uh yeah you're part of that <laughs> Right, um, and and uh, coming back to the point here, it is a fairly uh, the the term I think is matrilineal, um, so it's not quite a matriarchy per se. Um, it, it's still very patriarchal in, in in many respects, but in certain contexts, uh, if we're talking about, you know, like uh, inheritance, um, ownership of property, and all this kind of stuff, uh, management of the household and finances and whatnot, you do see uh, many more of of uh, uh, minang women. being seen as as the, the the ones being in charge here so so that's something that's worth bearing in mind in my own personal context i am uh, a malaysian married to an indonesian my wife is minang 100% right so uh in the malaysian context um the perspective is uh uh istri ikut suami like you know when you get married you you enter uh, the 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 husband's family and then the husband decides and all this kind of stuff but in my wife's family's perspective is is the other way around right and it's a cultural thing right it's not saying is one is right or wrong or better than the other it's just there's a context that 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 we're talking about here so that's 
a bit more sauce on top of that uh, explanation um, with regards to Nadia's own personal context there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think on that note, it's, it's worth certainly for, for people who, who do have the chance to check out this film, do, 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 do check it out. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier about how this might be something that's a little bit more uh, localized in certain contexts, but, but this also, it won something at Toronto, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, yes. uh, so I, I, I would imagine that perhaps there's a greater sense of universality to this which people from other contexts and other countries and cultures can also watch and appreciate. For, for my part, I'm hopeful that sooner or later it's going to be on, well, not, not on Bioscope Online. <laughs> video? I, I, I have a video subscription. I'll, I, you know. <laughs> Probably not that. Maybe Netflix uh, or ClickFilm. ClickFilm, I'm quite keen to check out, to be honest with you. Um, very similar look and, and layout and feel to Netflix or whatnot, at least on the outside. Um, uh, that's that, you know, um, something to bear in mind for the future. Speaking of things to bear in mind, paranoia, <laughs> because that's what people who are paranoid really do, right? They just bear things in mind that's even, to be honest with you, it's not really there, it's not real, it's not true, but the very basis of paranoia is just to kind of really be paranoid and just to think anything can happen. In this case, um, this is a film directed by, can we say the godfather of Indonesian contemporary cinema? You know, if you say you know, if you say Indonesian film director, I feel that for many Malaysians, especially um, with very strong and positive memories of films like um, <clears throat> uh, Laskar Pelangi, for instance. Um, uh, yeah, if you say Indonesian director, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not you know, bringing down the name of Gari Nugroho or Hanung Bramantio. You know, a lot of very good directors you know, coming up in Camila Andini previously as well. But I feel like if we say Indonesian director, first name that jumps to mind is still, for many people, Riri Riza. And, and, and if we say Riri Riza, the second name that jumps to mind is Mera Lesmana, <laughs> who's the producer and, and also the writer uh, for this uh, particular film. Um, directed by Riri Riza, as I mentioned earlier, who made, as I've mentioned just now, Alaska Pelagi, uh, Gi Sokolarimba, Tiga Hari Untuk Selamanya, so many, so many of these quality films. Very interestingly, it's also written by Jujur Prananto, who also, as it turns out, co-wrote two um, Malaysian films, Lagenda, Lagenda Budak Setan Tiga, Kasha, and Pilot Cafe. Um, these are fairly well-received films in Malaysia. I, I just never really, like, I've not seen them, to be honest with you, um, because, uh, you know, when, when they were out, I, I was not really around. But, um, yeah, I mean, People know these films. Uh, in, in, in the case of Lagenda Budak Setan, I think um, fairly well received. So I, I didn't know that that uh, Juju Pranando wrote the, the scripts for, for those films as well. But I think speaking of scripts for films, it's probably best if we catch it, kind of talk about paranoia and the story itself. Uh, the synopsis I have here is one line. Dina runs away with her teenage daughter, Laura, after her abusive husband, Gion, gets imprisoned. Um, so uh, Nadia, for you, I have two questions. The first, am I pronouncing Gion's name correctly? And the second question is, I look at the poster and I'm thinking Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. How close am I <laughs> with regards to uh, the film Paranoia on that front? I think uh, Gion, yes, <laughs> it's, it's pronounced correctly. And the second one with Parasite, um, to be honest, I haven't watched Parasite. I've heard a lot of good things about it. And... 
last night I actually did watch a YouTube summary of Parasite. Um, I think in terms of the gloomy theme, yes, and um, power abuse, yes, but different kinds. With Parasite, it's more about um, class class power, and in Paranoia, it's more about the abusive husband's power, which again can be translated into masculine power probably because it's a common theme in Indonesian films nowadays. Um, so yeah, in in terms of those two topics, yes, I, I would say it's it's kind of similar. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. Um, but this is also a film that I asked you um, previously on WhatsApp. You know, have you seen this film? You know, trying to figure out what films we can talk about. And then you said, I have seen the film, and I think it's all capital letters as well. Your response to my text on WhatsApp is like all in uppercase. Um, so I just uh, want to know whether you think of this film positively. Um, you know, any any thoughts or, or, or feelings that you can share with us about this uh, film, Paranoia by Riri Riza? Paranoia. I think it's a very good film and, and it has so many great stars in it. Like we have Nirina Zubir and Nicola Saputra. It's always good. Any Nixap movie is always a good movie. And then um, we also have Lukman Sardi actually, which also appeared on Seperti Dendam by the way for, for a short while. Um, and the film itself is actually good because I am actually feeling the paranoia as well. Um, when I watch the film, which is a very great effect. I mean, um, to be fair, I am a very paranoid person, so that, that might be one factor. But because I saw it with Tiara, actually, and she also feels paranoid. And to my knowledge, she's, a, she's not as paranoid as me. So I think, <laughs> so I think the film is very... It, it's very true to the title, I think. Yeah. It's giving the same effect. Um, of what Riza intends to give off, I think. Um, and also, I think probably it has like dual meaning because the 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 setting of the film was like on the beginning of pandemic where everyone was getting paranoid. So like two things, paranoid of the pandemic and of the, of the abusive husband. Right. Okay. So in this case, when you say you're paranoid about something, you're paranoid about the husband being abusive. Would I be right in saying that? Um, basically, the husband kind of like chased them, like the wife and the daughter. Like they're on a chase. Oof, my goodness. Yeah. And, and then I think there's a very uh, interesting use of sound because, you know, like in Jumanji, there's always a sound whenever um, things are about to go down. Oh, yes. And then, yeah. And then there's always a sound whenever uh, Lokman Sardi or Gion is about to come, which then gave us even more paranoidness. And then we're like, don't come, don't come. But then he came. And then we're like, don't come. But he came. So it's a, it's a very good film. In terms of the narrative, it's it's played very, very nicely in terms of making all the audiences paranoid. <laughs> Excellent. The last time I saw Lukman Sardi, it is actually in a series called The Bridge. Um, I think it's a HBO series, um, a co-production with View as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um it's just quality. I just, I just, like when Lukman Sardi is in the film, you know, you know something's going to happen. <laughs> Even at yeah. the start <laughs> of the bridge, when he's there and his character is a lot more benign, you know, I look at him and I thought, yeah, yes, he's going to do something. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. You know, something's about to happen. Uh, and it's not usually something that's particularly positive, right? So, so that's very interesting. Um, 
Okay, good stuff. Very interesting. I think that's, I, I don't really have much kind of add to Paranoia. Again, much like quite a number of films that we've discussed here, ladies and gentlemen, I've not unfortunately managed to catch this particular film. But the discussion that we've had here has certainly aroused a lot more of my interest and curiosity in these films. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, again, I, I still come back to the poster. I look at the poster and I think, I have to watch this film. The poster is just absolutely, you know, it's quality. It's just, I look at it and there's something about the poster that just makes me think, I have to watch this. It's very similar to this poster. Uh, I think Ernest Prakasa has a, has a new film out, or maybe it's already... Oh. You know, yeah. ah, what's the what's the title again? Katakitika. That's the one. Yes, um, it's very similar in terms of the the look and feel and style, right? So there's something very alluring about the poster, at least for me. Um, so that's uh, something that I think I will check out again if it's on video. <laughs> Although having said that, um, it's probably not going to be on video anytime soon. So we'll have to find alternate ways. Um, but whichever ways we find, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of today's journey. We've discussed uh, a number of, of uh, different films, six of them in total. And hopefully this will provide you guys with enough of a snapshot of uh, Indonesian cinema in the year 2021. I think that's about it from my side. Nadia, any any more from, from your side that you may want to share with us? Um, um, no, I don't think so. But yeah, if you do have the chance, check out Indonesian films. They're, they're getting really, really good. Always has been actually for me, yeah. <laughs> Considering Habibi and Ainun and stuff, yeah. True, so, uh, but you know they, they've been leveling up. It's always been good, but yeah. in more recent years, you know, you do have more and more films that's really coming out uh, with with uh, you know greater investment, greater visual effects, um, and in, in in some of these films, greater storytelling uh, potential as yes. well. Right. I agree. Um, I agree. So we'll just let the listeners check that out. But for now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you very much for your time uh, in, in joining us for today's episode. Um, yes, uh, it's a goodbye from me, Nadia. Uh, say goodbye, Nadia. Yes, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, indeed. And it's a goodbye for me. Bye, everyone. Everything is okay. I just want to play. Unplug for the day.